0: Good morning, ladies. It's a little after seven, so we're going to get started. Uh, I'd just like to pray for us. Holy Father, thank you now for this beautiful day. We are here and we are ready to be real. Please be real to us and give us understanding as we seek you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is an honor to be speaking today, and for those of you who I have yet to meet, I'm Marja, and I just wanna thank Jess again for this opportunity. For those of you that were here last semester, you know we were studying Romans 12, and the message that I shared was about the power of presence. And while our passage today is different, I think the overall message is the same. If we revisit Romans 12, just briefly, we were instructed how to be with one another, how to fellowship and offer our presence to one another as sisters in Christ, and for our listeners, for brothers as well. We were reminded that we could only do this as a result of having been with Jesus and having had our hearts and minds transformed by him. One, well, the passage that we're studying in Joseph, In Genesis, the story of Joseph, we're reading about the power of presence again. The all-powerful, all-knowing, unshakable presence of the Lord God. So my message might be called Integrity in Adversity. And I wonder if any of you have ever faced adversity. This is the talk back moment. (laughs) It is sometimes a challenge for us to have integrity when we find ourselves like Joseph in a pit, because we usually feel down on ourselves for experiencing whatever adversity it is that we're facing. So today, is your adverse circumstance a difficult job, a loveless marriage, a challenging child, Or maybe it is uncertainty around your purpose, the unfortunate recent loss of a loved one, financial struggles, or a physical strain. It might even be a mental stressor. But what we know is that adversity is a part of life. And we often think about adversity as bad luck, misfortune, or disaster, something on a grander scale. But for many of us, I would say that adversity is much more common than that. It is the difficulties of everyday life, trouble, distress, pain, and unfortunately, for many of us, trauma or heartbreak. Let's jump into Genesis 39, and we're going to see how Joseph handles adversity, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So let's pause right there and recap for a moment. We've started with Joseph's story in Genesis 37, and we were told very quickly that he was sold by his brothers to the Midianite traders and taken to Egypt, where he was sold yet again to Potiphar. But in these brief verses, we're reading Joseph prospered even while he was enslaved. And this brings me to my first point. Your current circumstances do not disqualify you from God's presence. If you're facing any of those adverse circumstances that I listed, they do not disqualify you from God's presence. In the text, it says that it was because of God's presence that Joseph experienced success. In verse 3, When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. At this point, we are not told anything more about what the master saw on Joseph, But I wonder what was it about Joseph that was so obvious, something that could be seen that the Lord was with him? What was the indication? Did Joseph work with excellence? Was he cheerful despite his position? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but we read that Potiphar had no concern about anything because of Joseph. Joseph found favor and became an overseer. His leadership was abundantly clear and quickly realized. Potiphar knew that Joseph was no ordinary slave. He became like Potiphar's personal servant. In Acts, Peter and John are speaking before the council, and the scribes say that they spoke with such boldness that they realized, they recognized, that these men had been with Jesus. Jesus. Now, we don't read anything in our passage about what Joseph is saying, nothing about his words, but his behavior must have been such that it revealed something about the Lord. So what can we ascertain about Joseph here? He was trustworthy, and I think that this is the first indication in this chapter of his integrity. Typically, we say a person has integrity when they are honest and demonstrate strong moral principles. They are truthful and fair. I heard someone once say that integrity is what you do when no one is watching. And that'll come to play in our story in just a few moments. But we know that there is one who is always watching, one from whom we cannot hide. The psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And the answer is we can't. God is always with us. I believe that Joseph's integrity could be seen. And where did this quality come from? God's presence with him. We see, point number two, that Joseph was a steward. I'm walking through uh, teaching my children about money. And one of the first lessons is that we are stewards of what God has given us. It's not ours. We're literally a manager of property that is owned by God. God owns it all. And so in our example with Joseph, he was the manager of the property owned by Potiphar. He was the steward of everything in Joseph's house. And he was entrusted with those things. We read in verse 5, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, I'm going to stop right there because we feel the transition coming, don't we? Something is building. We have this great example of who Joseph is. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And while this detail is just thrown in and it seems irrelevant right now, we're going to find out why we know this and why this is important. So let's think about Joseph's resume. Not only is he excellent, in what he does, but he's also good looking. Joseph is a 10. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us. Joseph is a 10. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns He has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, day after day, Day after day, every day that ends in a Y, day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So we see that Joseph remained moral, though he was troubled daily with Potiphar's persistent wife tempting him. Joseph said, because you are his wife, which I think indicates that Joseph clearly knew right from wrong. When we have integrity, it means just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do it. There's almost a correlation here that we can make between integrity and worship, this day by day. Joseph says that if he was to uh, give in to her, that that lack of integrity would be wicked and sinful not just against his master, but against God. So let me uh, provide you with another illustration to wrap our minds around this concept of integrity. Um, I mentioned my husband before. He's an architectural engineer, and integrity is not just a character concept. It is a concept in engineering, which refers to whether a building can sustain the load that is placed on it without breaking or deforming. So when we think about how we take that concept and apply it to a person, integrity translates to a person by us understanding the system or the manner in which they choose to live their lives. We don't have to make individual decisions of integrity when we lean into the structural system upon which we have built our lives Joseph chose not to sin against God because that is the foundation upon which he had built his life It was not a matter of her of Potiphar's wife coming to him day after day after day because he didn't have to decide each day that he was going to be a man Of integrity because he had built his life on godly principles. This is a passage that's often quoted and I'm sure you all have heard it before. Watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. And I think in the story of Joseph, we see this progression fairly clearly. We started with his thoughts and his dreams, which he communicates with his words to his brothers and his father, and then his actions in Potiphar's house, stewarding what was entrusted to him, his habit of faithfully serving his master. And now we see his character, to flee temptation and stand in integrity despite adversity. And we'll see as we continue with Joseph's story in the upcoming weeks how his character becomes his destiny. So day after day, Joseph was tempted. And here we get to verse 11. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. It's just one verse, but I want to park there for a minute because we see the faithfulness that Joseph showed. He was not distracted or deterred from his purpose by Potiphar's wife. He went into the house to attend to his duties. He continued in his work with all diligence. But Joseph had no idea what was about to happen next. And he had been in such a position before. He didn't know his brothers would sell him into slavery. And for us, times of adversity often take us by surprise. Verse 12 says, She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to make to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. You already know. It said that she had to call the servants, but yet she's saying that she screamed. Now, if we were to scream, I think people would just come running, even in a sprawling house, if we were really to scream. But here we see that Joseph's garment is used again to deceive others. His brother used his coat to deceive their father into believing that Joseph had died, and that was a cover-up. And similarly, Potiphar's wife covered her own sin with a lie and maligned Joseph. How Potiphar's wife described Joseph was diametrically opposed to his true character. In fleeing the house, he resisted temptation and honored his master and God. When we find ourselves in adversity, which often takes us by surprise, we are tempted by something that falsely promises us to make us feel better or to deliver us from the adversity. We experience those feelings of being alone, of feeling rejected, and I want to say that our feelings are real, but they are not the truth. The truth is what God says. However, when we feel lonely, we assume that we have been abandoned by God, and subsequently, we tend to do whatever we want, often making poor decisions to try and create a way of escape for ourselves. It's at these times that we must examine what we truly believe about God. If we believe is God, that God is with us, we need to behave as such. Proverbs says that he, whoever walks in integrity, will be delivered. And the lesson for us here is that our integrity is demonstrated when we turn away from something that is desirable and turn towards God, recognizing him as the source of every good thing and our exceedingly great reward. I'm so glad that Joseph's story with Potiphar's wife doesn't end there. In verse 16, she kept his cloak beside her, until his master came home. And I'm just imagining her sitting up here, like, rehearsing this story, Mm -hmm. right? Perfecting it, making sure it it sounds right. Then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So now not only has Joseph's garment been used against him yet again, he is the target of someone else's anger. First, it was his brothers, and now it is his master, Potiphar. And I wonder if Joseph felt confined by the way he was being defined. Have you ever felt like that? Like your adverse circumstance, the adversity that you were dealing with, took over and became your identity? But the story doesn't end there. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph continued to be trustworthy through suffering in prison as an innocent man. And here he finds himself put in a leadership position again. This was only possible because God was with him. God made him successful. And I pray that this encourages you, Because I want to repeat, external circumstances do not disqualify you from God's presence. Any situation you find yourself in does not invalidate the gifts God has given you. His gifts are irrevocable, irreversible. The Living Translation says it this way, his gifts and call can never be withdrawn. Another translation would say God does not take back the gifts he has given or disown the people he has chosen. I'd like you to consider Proverbs 2. It said, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. As the Lord was with Joseph, he is with you. As the Lord was with Joseph, he is with you. Say it with me. As the Lord was with Joseph, he is with me. Y'all not saying it. As the Lord was with Joseph, he is with me. So right now, right in the midst of the adversity you might be facing, you can stand with integrity, believing, knowing, trusting that according to his word, God will be your shield, that he will pour out favor on you for his purposes. In the name of Jesus, I'd like to close with three questions for you to discuss. What has God entrusted to you as his steward? What has God entrusted to you as his steward? That's question one. Question two. What is God calling you to do that you want to give up on because you feel abandoned? What is God calling you to do that you want to give up on because you feel abandoned? And the final question, number three, how might you stand with integrity in the midst of of adversity. How might you stand with integrity in the midst of adversity? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that as you were with Joseph, you are with us. We trust you now. In your son's name, amen.